Thank you. It's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. I'm humbled to be surrounded by my fellow students that um, I consider to be at the top of their profession. Um, I, I, th I appreciate Lance's introduction. I really don't think any of that is important except the bottom line. And that's that I practice full-time in Washington, D.C. I uh, love doing research and especially product evaluation. I do a lot of it for both nonprofit clinical groups as well as the ADA and private industry. And it's where I first discovered Invisalign in 2000, when I first heard about it. And it was unavailable to GPs, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but I think it's also important to know that I own no stock or security in any dental company, and I'm not employed by any dental company. I'm an independent speaker. I like to, to teach and really enjoy it. I feel passionate about it. I like to share my, my knowledge, and I gain more than I can ever share. It's always wonderful to talk with people before and after courses. So no one in my family uh, has any stock or interest in any dental company either, and I, I hope that you feel it helps to give me an unbiased view of things. Even though we're here at the, the Align Lecture, um, I think it's nice to have an independent eye when we look at things. So I, I just wanted to share that with you at the start. All the forms and letters you have in the handout today are also available online. You can get them at my website, which is smiledc.com. Then just click on Doctors, click on Me. On the bottom, there's a button that says Lecture Resources, and then all the forms from the GP Summit will be there, as well as a number of other forms. So I teach uh, occlusion courses and cosmetic courses, too. Um, getting back to that whole not being able to do the Invisalign thing, back when we started, I don't know if many of you have been around long enough to know that, that Invisalign, a lot like implants, when it first came out, was not available to GPs. And I really feel a lot of that had, had to do with the culture of orthodontics. And it goes to a real simple concept, and that was when we were in dental school, we never did a single comprehensive orthodontic case from start to finish. There was really two reasons for it. One was time. It would be hard to get that accomplished. And second was, it was a club. It was a little secret club that you had to know the secret handshake for. And if you didn't, they weren't going to let you in. So what they did at Georgetown, which I considered to be one of the best academic and um, hands-on schools in the country, they did is what they did at most other schools. They marched us down to the ortho department. We bent the wire. We uh, soldered a space maintainer. We traced the stuff and they waved. They never gave us the handshake. That was it. So, so we're, we got, got out, and like most of us in the room, you do one of three things. You love ortho, you do a residency, and you become an orthodontist. Or you like your restorative dentistry, you want to add ortho to it, you take a ton of ortho courses. But most of us did the third option, and that was the referral pad. We referred. We referred all our cases out, up until about the year 2000 up until the millennium, when the revolution started, when it changed. We had that wonderful talk this morning about innovation and how you have sea change that occurs with it. And truly, Invisalign is one of those products that has changed the landscape. And the reason was that in the past, orthodontists were the only ones who could really do ortho. And we did the other stuff. But around 2003, we noticed a shift, a big shift, a paradigm shift, in how we treat patients, because now we knew the handshake. We were in the club. We could do ortho. And it was clear. And the more that the, the orthodontist said we couldn't do it, the more we looked and said, what do you mean? It's working. <laughs> it's working well. And then the thing became us incorporating it in our practice properly, because orthodontists can straighten teeth. Us in this room can straighten teeth, restore them, whiten them, and give them a beautiful smile. So it became the blessing and the curse. It changed completely. And it changes every day and becomes more and more something where we have in complete, complete control the ability to give our patients a beautiful smile. Because of that, there's a lot of added responsibility. Because it used to be that our orthodontist would finish a case and, eh, if it wasn't completely perfect, it's okay. It went over to you. And you saw that patient every six months. And you had a way out. You could say, yeah, yeah, teeth aren't really done right. The bite may not be perfect. But that was the orthodontist. I didn't do that. That was the blessing. The curse became that we now are able to do it. And they come back every six months. So our responsibility is to do beautiful dentistry that's going to last. And you say to yourself, that's great. 
but oh, God, give me a break, man. I'm managing my practice. I'm working with my wonderful, excellent team that helps keep me going. I'm dealing with those occasional crazy patients. I'm making payroll. I'm dealing with all that regulation and stuff that comes out of the town I live in, Washington, D.C. I've got to get the Cub Scout meeting. I've got to coach soccer. I've got to get home for dinner. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're juggling. But not juggling balls. You feel like you're juggling knives, blindfolded while riding a unicycle. <laughs> and that's what it sometimes feels like. So my goal today is to help to take some of this away. I'm not going to take away the juggling. We can't. We're going to be doing it forever. And the best thing that can help us is good team support. And that comes from systems. Systems are the key to success with anything. But in particular in dentistry, if we have our members all speaking from the same script, our patients hear the same message. If we're able to do things that are repeatable, we know we're going to get good outcomes. If we've planned for contingencies before they happen, it makes life easier, and that's what gives us balance. And balance is really what we want, because that gives us a chance to enjoy life to the fullest. So our focus on systems today is going to be really broken down into some, one simple uh, thought, and that is strategic planning. I am completely stealing this part of the lecture from a good friend of mine, Bob Frazier out of Texas, who 20 years ago when I took a course from, and I was struggling with this part, he said, it's easy, Bri. All you do is start with the end in mind. When you strategically plan your cases, you start at the end and work back to where you are right now. And it allows you to plan for all those things that can make it successful. It sounds pretty simple. My goal, always, beautiful, healthy, functional smile. I've got the treatment phase that's in the middle of that. And that takes me back to where I am today. And you say to yourself, <laughs> that's great, Bri, but the trouble is all the stuff here in the middle. That's the part that I struggle with. So I want to share some stuff with you today that can take you from that first visit to that beautiful, healthy, functional smile and some steps that are going to be easy and repeatable for you. So you can make your practice the way you want to make it, do the beautiful dentistry you want to, and spend time in some place other than your lab working on stuff. I'm going to share three uh, different sheets with you today, what I call my IQC or Invisalign Quick Consult form, my strategic treatment planning sheet, and my uh, what I call ClinCheck uh, punch list. I use these for all my advanced cases. You have copies of them inside your handout. Again, they're also available online. They can be paperless as well, which is the better way to go. But the, the thing that I, I really want you to be aware of with this is that I'm going to share these sheets with you you are more than welcome to copy them. You can plagiarize. You can put your name on them. You can share them with your study clubs. You can do anything you want. But if you do that, that's okay. I don't feel like I've accomplished my goal. What I really want you to do is think and plan and be able to develop systems that are going to be able to give you that beautiful dentistry that we talked about. So we're going to jump into the first little form that I use, my Invisalign Quick Consult form. I want to share with you how this came about in 2002. I was doing a typical juggling thing. I was uh, starting a quadrant case on, the, my, on my side of the office, the operative side. I had three hygiene checks. We had three hyge hygienists in that day. I had an emergency. I had a specialist on the phone. I had a sick kid and a broken car. And it was one of those days where it was just piling up. And I walked, did my first two consults of, uh, uh, sorry, my first two hygiene checks after I anesthetized my patient. Did the first two, I, and the second one was taking a lot of time because a patient who had a lot of questions, which was putting me a little bit more behind, and I was starting to, you know, frazzle a little bit. I walked into the third hygiene op, and Maureen, my, my hygienist, who's our Invisalign specialist in our hygiene department, was in there, and she had just spent 45 unfettered minutes talking with the patient about Invisalign. And I could see it was ready to go. And now I'm really torn, because I want to do a consult right there, but I'm already buried. You know, and it's like one of those things where you might as well just be really buried, but I've got two assistants right outside the door like this. You know, so, um, but I also know that if I say, let me get you back for a consult, which is the smartest thing to do, about a third of them aren't going to make it back till the next hygiene visit. You know, it just won't happen. So I wanted to get that done there. And from it, we developed this sheet. 
The idea behind this sheet is to be able to get a complete Invisalign consult done in five minutes, quickly and easily. And the reason is we developed some systems that help to make it work real, real, carefully, uh, real well for us. So we want to get the chief concern, secondary concerns. I want to just know my Invisalign goals. I want to know where my occlusion is when I start, what the restorative needs are. In bold, I want to do my informed consent, which I'll show you in a second. And I want to give them a range of time and fee. That's pretty much it. It's a quick consult. It's designed so I can do it walking into hygiene, or I could do it as part of a smile design consult. I could do it at initial visit, or I could do it after I've anesthetized a patient, left and checked hygiene, and my assistant has talked with them about Invisalign. I walk back in the room. If there's a green sheet, that's an IQC sheet on the table, I know we're ready to go. The way that I know I'm ready to go, this is what the sheet looks like, the way that I know I'm ready to go is two things have to be done, repeatable systems that make it easy. The stuff up top has to be filled in. And I need to see a circle right here around my informed consent. That's where the bulk of my time is. And my team members love to see me run on time. They know they can help with this and support me. So they can do this stuff for me. And if I walk in the room and I see this stuff, I can get this sheet done in two minutes and get the information I need for my Invisalign consult. So here's how it works. First, let's talk about the things that, they fill out the top part. Let's talk about the seven things that every patient needs to know. Well, they need to know that there are two big visits. There's your records visit, and there's your first visit, where you're going to place your attachments, do IPR, get them going with the whole system. After that, they're short and easy. They need to know about compliance, 22 hours a day. I want to take that 1%, we're just under 1% in my office, of non-compliant cases that I struggle to get done, I have to beat them with a hammer, I want to get that down to zero. And the way that we do it is by making sure they know all this stuff ahead of time, this being the most important. I want them to know about attachments. I want them to just not know that we're going to put these little blobs of composite on their teeth. I want them to touch and feel the dentiform so they can feel it on their fingers and know what's going on. I want them to know about IPR. I want them to know about occlusal adjustment. I adjust probably 80 to 90% of my cases. And the reason behind that's real simple. If the teeth match in a bad bite and I move the teeth, how can they match? If they matched in a bad bite and I move the teeth, how can they still match? Physics tells me they can't. It may be as small as using a burlu wheel to polish some spots to get the occlusion right. And it may be a full-blown equilibration before, during, or after treatment which is another lecture for us. We won't get into that today. But the bottom line is probably 80% of my cases to 90% of my cases, I have to do something, even if it's a full anterior open bite where we're straightening and not closing the open bite all the way. So if they know about this, it's included in the fee, they know that I've got to do that, then they're okay. They also need to know about refinement. A lot of people look at Invisalign, they see refinement, and they think, oh, I failed. I think just the opposite. I look at my cases, I see refinement, and I see a chance for full success a chance to get my cases done perfectly. And for those who've done straight wire and say, well, you don't refine with straight wire, the truth of the matter is you refine each and every time the patient comes in for a visit. You have to bend a wire, move a bracket, do something. So refinement is part of our overall success. And lastly, they need to know about retention for life, obviously. So if the patient knows these things before I come in, I just saved myself 10 minutes. And now we know that the patient's on board. So in this case, by the way, I, I, I needed some pictures and I couldn't find the ones that I wanted, so I grabbed some pictures of me actually doing an IQC. This is a number of years ago. I was actually running ahead. My assistant was busy. I sat down in the room. I started talking with the patient. It was a patient we already knew who was interested in it. And, um, and I started going through my thing, going through my informed consent. And Mindy walked in. She said, do you want me to take over? And I said, actually, I want you to pick up the camera. And just take pictures of me doing it because I, I can show them my sterile hand on the left side and my unsterile hand on the right side. But, uh, but more importantly, I want to show how easy it was for me to be able to do it because it, I wanted to make a repeatable system that was something easy. So this is the sheet and this is what it looks like. And if I walk into hygiene and I see this, I know I can get the rest done in two minutes. And I can stick it in the chart. And when the patient comes back to get their records, everything is set to go. They will just, after we've got this part, I say, oh, John, so you're interested in straightening your teeth. You want to do some Invisalign, so let me put you back in the chair. We'll take a peek, and then 
Maureen would just call out occlusion, say class one, CR equals CO. That's just a, a little bit on occlusion. We'll talk about it in a little bit. There's no shift. There's some frematis, perio, oral surgery, endo, all look good. I go over to the Invisalign diagnostic side, midline, crowding, spacing, crossbite, rotations, whitening, if we're going to do it, and then any restorative. She just goes through. She calls out the things. I just write them down. She checks them off or X's, X's them out. Pre-ortho, I'm going to have to do a little enamoplasty on 7 and 9 in this case. It's going to be a full Invisalign case. Afterwards, I'm going to do some bonding and I'll replace some old restorations. Next steps are real easy. I'm going to give a time estimate. I always add four months, maybe even six months, if it looks like it might be more complicated than I thought. I write down what the next step is, and then I put my notes in down here, which I'll show you in just a second on the next page. You notice I left this blank. And I left this blank because I'm terrible with giving fees to patients. I'm just a wimp. You know, I just, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, 5,800, but I borrowed your husband's chainsaw last year. I haven't given it back, so let me knock off. And I coach your kid in soccer. Let me take another five. So they just want me out of the room. And this is our code because we really have broken our fees into three, easy, moderate, and complex cases. So if they see that, they go, oh, it's moderate. So we know it's 5,800 bucks for us. And, the re and it's ready to, off to the races. The bottom part, though, is equally important. And the reason that this stuff is good, but the bottom part is real important, is because once I put this down, you see Rx at the start, and I put this in the chart, when the patient comes back for records, which is happening today in my office back in D.C., I'm sure someone's getting records, this part is all filled out. So my team members can now take all the records, enter everything, put in the prescription, and then put it on hold. They don't send it in. They put it on hold, and when I get back, it's sitting there waiting for me. I read through the prescription and hit the send button. But that's taken another 10, 15 minutes off my plate by being able to do that. So that's how that sheet works. And I'll show you in action how these three things are going to work in just a little bit. I want to talk about the strategic planning treatment sheet that I use and how it helps. The first thing that we like to do is to triage our treatment. I want to be able to know where I got to do my restorative, and I'll talk about that in a second. I also use the, these sheets to get my flow down and to develop my overlap and to plan for any contingencies, starting always with the end in mind. So when I talk about triage, what I'm really talking about is understanding where I might want to do restorative associated with Invisalign. Category one would be, say, a lo, uh, MOD amalgam on a tooth. Say, let's say just a DO amalgam on number 19 and there's a little decay. I want to fix that before I start Invisalign. I don't want to leave the decay there for a, month, for a year and a half. Category two is stuff we do after Invisalign. Say it's a MOD amalgam on tooth number 19, and there's a crack in the tooth. I know that I'm going to want to place a crown on that tooth, but I don't want to do the crown beforehand because why make a crown match a bad bite when I can make it match a good bite? So I'll wait until afterwards. The last one is the challenge. The last one, category three, is long-term provisionalization. That's when number 19 has a big MOD amalgam, a crack, and decay. I can't let that wait. So I do long-term provisionalization, a lab-fabricated, heat-cured acrylic crown that we put on with a strong cement, like poly a polycarboxylate, like Highbond or Duralon, to get me through treatment. Nice advantages to this is I've got something stable that's going to stay on, I can easily put an attachment on that acrylic, better than anything else. And I can occlusively adjust the acrylic when I'm done to the ideal bite. So I've got a bunch of really great advantages by doing that. This is what the strategic treatment planning sheet looks like, front and back. And I'm going to show you how we fill it out when we get to the case. Because this is really, this part is bread and butter for us. I think that this, this stuff, this page anyway, is easy. This blank page is the one where we draw blanks, and I'll show you how I fill it out to make it easy. The last sheet that I'm going to talk about is the punch list. The ClinCheck punch list I developed because I wanted to get through my ClinCheck's faster and not miss stuff. I was talking with a couple of the territory managers and they, they were telling me that, that there are doctors that are actually having their assistants approve ClinCheck's. And, I, I, and if there's any in here that's okay, everyone you know, is going to find something that works well for them. My concern is that I own that ClinCheck. That's mine. I'm responsible for it. Who's going to know how the setup should be other than me? So there's some stuff I can't pass off. What I would like to do, though, is to make it really easy. 
And so we use the ClinCheck punch list. This alone is a lecture in itself. I did an Ask the Expert lecture two years ago. It's at the Invisalign uh, Alliant Tech Institute site. And I'm going to just give you a couple brief highlights of it. If you're interested, it's a, gr a great place to go to get sources. 45 minutes, you can get the whole lecture and understand it. I also share with you that there's a number of other lectures out talking about how to analyze ClinChecks, and I think they're all wonderful. So I'm sharing you just my method and how it works and just show you what, what goes on with it. My goal, though, is real simple. Five minutes for even the most complex ClinCheck. Five minutes to rip it apart, put it back together, and take a month off my treatment time. That is my goal every time. My goal, ideally, is to take more time of that off. Now, to have that accomplished, my ClinCheck comes back. Nikki, one of my Invisalign assistants, goes on every morning and looks at that little red box. You know the one I'm talking about, doctors. What's it say? Action, Action required, right? Action needed. It's like tennis. Someone hit the ball and it's in your court, and you've got to get it out of there. So while we're on the subject, does anyone know what the average amount of response time is for a ClinCheck when it comes back? Eight business days. Eight bu a week and a half for you to open it is what it takes. You know why? You're doing this with knives, blindfolded, right? You're just so busy, so you need help. And again, this is where I have my wonderful team help me. So Nikki, every morning, she goes on. If there's three, she puts it on a post-it note, sticks it up and out four. I've got to walk by it every day. Uh, you know, I've got to walk, not every day, every hour. I'm looking at that thing. It's haunting me. I've got to get it off. So the sooner I get it down, the better. If there's more than three, she, you can just print out that page. So she prints out the action required page and tapes it in op four, and that's real daunting. Then in op five, she's got everything set up. So I know that I can anesthetize a patient, and I can go over and in five minutes knock out an initial ClinCheck and have it all set for me. So I know what's going on. She's going to have the photos, my mounted models in there, a punch list all ready to go. The ClinCheck is open with the advanced tools on and the tooth movement assessment. I'm going to do an overview, then I'm going to do my five key views. I'm going to do some staging and evaluation of that stuff, request my modifications, ask for anything extra and get done. This is what that sheet looks like. And it, again, looks very complicated. If you go on, on the, the ATE lecture, you'll see it's actually pretty easy. We're going to look at the top. And the bottom of it, just real quickly, when we look at the top, I'm looking at really three different views. The anterior view, obviously this is the place where I start. I'm looking at the hard and soft tissues. I, I want to look at not just the gingival height, but extrusion, smile line, things like that. I'm going to look at the buckle view. I want to make sure the bite is proper. And I'm going to look at the occlusal playthrough on those. Most importantly, I'm going to do this, which I call SIAM. Staging, IPR, attachments, movement assessment. Movement assessment is a wonderful tool that many people aren't aware of. It tells us the tough teeth. We know in advance the teeth that are going to give us a challenge if you look at it on your ClinCheck. I'll be happy to share it with you later. The bottom part, I'm going to look at these five key views that are going to really help me to set up beautiful occlusion that's going to be stable and going to last. And again, we'll look at how this works in just a little bit. But for instance, let's just look at this one ClinCheck. So I grabbed this ClinCheck and I just threw it up there. This is one that I put in last night. Play through. Here's the end result. Looks pretty nice. Pretty happy with it. Can't complain. But when I put my punch list to it, which I'd pulled, I can look. The first thing I look is the midline. Midline's off a little bit. Okay, something that I can easily fix. I notice that there's a black triangle. Well, guess what? I could redirect IPR, do it on the mesial of 24, and bring that over, line up the midline, and close the black triangle at the same time. With just a little bit of extra time, I can catch these things. I can look at the heights, both the hard tissue and the soft tissue heights, and, and go for my classic AAD setup, which is high, low, high. Canines and centrals a little bit higher on the, on the gingival tissue and on the incisal edge than the laterals. And in this case, say, you know what? I probably want to do a little intrusion here because it will solve two problems at once. I'll get the gingival height better, and I'll take care of that deep canine guidance on that side. I'm going to look at things like attachments that are in contact. I'll show you this in just a second. And then I'm going to look at round-trip crashing. So this is a very interesting phenomenon, round-trip crashing. If we look at the timeline of Invisalign back in 2000, when we first started with Invisalign, a case was 30, 31 aligners long, to just pick a number, typical case. As time went by, that number got less. 2002, it was down to 27. 
in 2005, it was down to 24. In 2007, it was down to 21. In 2009, it was back up to 24. The numbers started increasing. And again, it was a sign of success, not failure. The reason was that they changed the protocol for setting up the case. They changed the way that they used to ask for IPR. Those of us that were, had been doing it a long time, we knew that ClinChecks had come back and they'd have teeth number 24 and 25 like this and they'd say, do 0.5 millimeters of IPR before liner one. And if we didn't catch that, because we didn't do our ClinChecks well enough, guess what? It came back and then we're scratching our head knowing that we're already dead in the water. So they changed it by doing round tripping. What they do is they move the teeth out of the complicated position into a place where you now can do proper IPR minimally and then bring the teeth back together. What it means is that sometimes during the treatment, the patient will have this crashing. They'll be the only teeth in contact. They'll bang on them first. And if you look at your ClinCheck and just analyze it, you can see the round tripping going on and then you can say, hey, you know what? From aligners 14 to 18, so about 7th to the ninth month, you're going to be hitting a little funny on the front teeth, but guess what? By about 20, it's going to go away. The bite will start settling in. If they know that, it sets you up for success. So then lastly, the IPR. We look at that. Just make sure we got that where we want. And again, I just ask it if you want to go through the, um, go through the uh, that ATE lecture if you'd like to get more on this. But here's a classic example. This, I'm just look, I went back to the first part of this, that ClinCheck, and there it is. Look at that attachment. See it hitting? You've had that happen a lot more in the past couple of years too and the reason is we've gone to the new optimized attachments and we've gone to the new Gemini optimized attachments, those twin attachments where there's two on one tooth and the upper of the two on those canines on the bottom teeth. When the patient closed down, guess what happened? Well, in the ClinCheck it doesn't look like they're hitting because that's CO. But when they squeeze, it hits. And almost certainly every one of us in here has had a case where a patient has left and they've come back with a little piece of plastic in their hand. Or you've got to shave down your beautiful attachment you just spent all that time putting on because it's in occlusion, it's hitting. So if we catch things like that early, it's going to help set us up for success. The other thing that I've seen with the more advanced um, optimized stuff that's come out with G4 is that we've seen the way bites have changed. Um, I think they've done a much better job, especially with closing open bites, but a lot of times, our techs who are working so hard, this is just another clinch I just grabbed, um, are looking at cases and they're trying to balance all the stuff that you asked for and sometimes we miss stuff. So before I hit play on this, I want you to know that this patient could take a thread and split it with their front teeth. Snap it. A thread, a single thread. Because I know that there's anterior coupling right here in the front. I can guarantee that that patient's touching right up there because there's coupling, teeth want to touch. When I play through the ClinCheck though, my tech looks at this and says, I gotta get this stuff fixed over here, I gotta get this over here, I'm gonna have to do some expansion, this and that. And sure enough, when we're done, we get all that stuff done, except they said, oh, there was an open bite at the start, and there's an open bite at the finish. So first ClinCheck comes back like that. And if we don't catch it, we have a longer refinement to do to fix it. So we wanna take that stuff and put it aside and be able to minimize all that time spent on ClinCheck by having a repeatable system. Let's take this stuff and put it together. We'll look at a case together. So I'm going to use the IQC to understand my patient's concerns and conditions. I'll use my treatment planning sheet to develop a strategic treatment plan and my punch list to maximize my ClinCheck so that I can end up with something that's really nice. We're going to look at Dottie. Dottie's a 66-year-old female. She's a judge in D.C., an absolutely wonderful, wonderful person. Um, she came in for a cosmetic consult, just a consult. In our office, that's 10, that's 10 minutes, one unit at a time to answer a question, tell them what's going on. She came in, her chief concern was her front tooth kept chipping. She had it replaced twice in the past month and I think five times in the six months previous to that. And she was fed up. Um, her dentist was frustrated. He was blaming himself, um, you know, blaming the composite and everything else. Uh, I said, well, let's, let's take a look. Come on. And, but naturally, we, we poked her a little bit. And in our... IQC, which we were filling out, Mindy was able to find out that she also didn't like the fact that teeth were broken and she had a little bit of some wear and she wanted them a little whiter but not a fake smile. And then, boom, I also get a little odor sometimes out of the back. So digging for these secondary and tertiary concerns become key to developing my overall treatment plan. This has a lot of information in it. So we took a look at Dottie's teeth. She let me take one single picture. D.C. is a very interesting town. 
Um, everyone loves to have their picture in magazines, but when the dentist asks to have a picture so they can put in the chart, they're like, oh, man, I want my picture taken. You know, it's like, nah. So she said, she let me take one picture. So I said, that's all I need. Let me get one to start here at this console. So we'll see what's going on. And uh, sure enough, there's the chip and where it kept coming off. So in, in this console, we went ahead and filled out our sheet. Here's our IQC. And by the way, there it says team initials. Anyone in the office can fill out an IQC. We fill them out at the front desk. We fill them out in hygiene. We fill them out at any point. And the, my team members put, we have put their initials up there because once those first two things are taken care of, these two things, once those are taken care of, I can come, at, come back and fill that stuff in at any time. It doesn't even have to be that same day. So Sandra up at the front desk can fill one of these out when she's talking to a patient. Stick this green sheet right in the chart. Next time the patient's back in, I was like, oh, Sandra already went over this stuff with you. Let me do the rest of it and we'll get it all set. So Mindy went ahead and filled this out. She got this stuff taken care of. And it's easy for me to come now in and sit down and fill this out. She had class one occlusion, but guess what? Her bite wasn't even. It, she had a shift in it. CR did not equal CO. She had a two millimeter lateral shift to the right. She also had some frematis. I was concerned. MS means she's going to, I want her to go up for an eval to Dr. Michael Stiglitz. And I also wanted to get a period, uh, sorry, a uh, full mouth eval from Dr. Peruzia, my endodontist. Jump over to the Invisalign part of it. It's easy to just fill this out. She had a, a little midline discrepancy, my, uh, mild crowding on the top, moderate on the bottom. Um, she'd asked about whitening and some of the other things. Filling out the pre-ortho part was also not difficult. I knew I had to do some Category 1 stuff just to patch some teeth up. It was going to be a fuller and assist case. Next step in would be to do records and a comp exam because she came in just for a consult. So we're going to do both those. If it's, by the way, when I'm filling the sheet out, if it's someone I'm just not going to see, we refer them out over there. So we put our notes down right there and we're pretty much all set to go. These notes are different than my consult, my initial, uh, that initial form you saw because I'm realizing at this point, I'm not going to be doing an Invisalign case right away. There's other stuff that I need. So we went ahead and filled this stuff out. This is what the sheet really looked like, and it took less than two minutes. So this is you know, what we had with it. Again, now when I look at Dottie's smile, it's looking different to me. I'm looking for other stuff. I'm looking, I'm seeing plaque that's still there from hygiene that's not the best. I see a lot of stain in between the teeth, a little bit of decay around between those front teeth up there. I'm, pe I'm picking up on things. So I sat down with Dottie and I said, you know what? Um, the reason that you keep chipping your teeth is your bite's off. And I need to do some Invisalign to fix I need to move the teeth. Or we cannot do that. I can patch that to the just the same level. Those teeth will be uneven. And you'll eventually be knocking that off again because of your bite. And at that point, she said, okay, I, I get it. Um, but, you know, what's the next step? I said, well, next step is we get you back for full records. We're going to do initial exam, diagnostic records, and I'll patch those teeth up for you. Just patch them up and get them a little bit more stable, especially number three and number five. I said, but any time between now and then, you can go off to get these consults because I'm going to need them anyway. So I want you to get a consult with my periodontist. I want you to get a consult with my uh, endodontist. In the meantime, when she comes back on that, on that date, I'm going to go ahead and I'm finishing my exam, my initial exam, and these are the things I saw. So that shift that we talked about, but also a lot of wear facets. Now at this initial exam, I saw a lot of decay, some failing restorations, big old restorations there. The perio was, again, as I now was expecting, a lot worse than I thought. I knew that there's the potential for some endodontics, and there was a reduced envelope of function, which was causing a lot of this. So we've progressed a little bit with Dottie. At the initial exam, we got pictures, no face pictures, but here we are on March 11th, the third, uh, 3.11. I can see a lot more. I'm seeing these broken teeth here. I'm seeing more perio stuff going on here, just you know, some exudate coming out. Mild crowding on top, moderate on the bottom. That's not a very good picture. I'm sorry about that. Recession in some spots and some altered passive eruption. This is Dottie's full mouth series, which revealed more severe bone loss than we had anticipated. Here's the Panorex, which really jumped me to the fact that she's lost bone around those canines. Here's her initial perio charting. We can see that she had a lot of perio going on there. So she went off for those consults, and this is the sheet that my periodontist uh, uh, sent back to me, of what he expected to do. This is the one that my endodontist sent back to me. I just share with you, if you haven't done this, a full mouth endodontic evaluation with a competent endodontist can save you a tremendous number of headaches. Because that way, if something blows up in the middle of treatment, it's not your fault. 
it's not the patient's fault, it's the tooth that we'd already identified. And it makes it so much easier for your treatment. So Reza, Dr. Zia's partner, went ahead and I had identified these. As a matter of fact, he said, you know what, they're vertical root fractures on both 5 and 12. Don't waste your time on those guys. So she was supposed to come back on the 3rd of April, but she disappeared, like it happens with some patients. And she was off my radar screen. I totally didn't think about her until June 3rd when we got an emergency call. She broke another tooth. She came in, and I realized that's the time. This is it. It's time for our come-to-Jesus talk. Sat her down. I said, hey, Dottie, I can patch this stuff. And I can do that every six months for the rest of your life. Or you can fix your mouth. Fixing your mouth is going to mean a lot of time and effort and money to do it. I can do it over a number of years or I can do it over a short period of time. You tell me what works for you. But that's the only way you're going to get this done. She got it. She understood. So she said, okay, here's the, the, now she had broken five, cracked number four, and there's three already broken off. So we went ahead and we put a provisional uh, three-unit splinted crown bridge on there, three crowns, splinted them together, just hold things together. I've got to take new records now for Invisalign because... Uh, I've changed this upper arch. And this is before I'd actually done the bonding up on the front there, too. Right at that visit, I went ahead and did that bonding up front there. Uh, but she gets it, so we take the new records. The new records are easy. We, get, we have to get some photos, which I'm going to get, because now I'm going to demand the face photos. And I, all I need is an itero scan, a single itero scan, because they've got the rest of my stuff already on the itero. So I just transferred the lower arch, which I didn't change. It saves us a lot of time. Here's Dottie. Um, in July, after that visit, we've got this provisionalized. She's in for the new records. Um, she's set to go. She's, we've got a treatment plan developed with our periodontist. It's time for me to fill out my sheets. This is what the initial sheet looked like. This is, again, this is your standard treatment planning sheet that anyone would have. So um, for me, this would be pretty quick and easy. I just identify where my referrals are. Here's perio and endo, no oral surgery. Ortho, Invisalign is going to be addressed to lower crowding, but at this point I know my upper is going to be a full reconstruction. So what I'm going to do is request treatment on the top, a simulated ideal finish. And the reason I'm going to do that is twofold. One is so that I can help match up where my ideal lower is going to be, and two, by asking for both arches treatment, even though I'm not going to use the upper aligners at all, I don't seal myself off from doing the case uh, later on if I need to do refinement. Because if I'd asked for only one arch, I couldn't come back and do a little tweaking on the top. So I keep myself open by doing that. Filling this out becomes pretty easy for us. This is just the condition of what's going on. I list everything I can. Over here, we'll go ahead and put in our treatment that we expect. Down at the bottom, I put my notes. And then we just send a welcome, and a a welcome letter off to the patient, a little thank you to the referral source. And that's what that looks like. This is what it looks like in less than two minutes. It's easy to fill this thing out. Flipping it over is the powerful part. I don't need the patient ready for, there for the rest. So when I flip it over to this side, my strategic treatment plan, this is how we're going to put the strategic treatment plan together. I just identify. These are things that I, I'm going to normally do that are going to take up time and be procedures as part of a comprehensive case. So I just put a check mark by the things that I'm going to possibly do. The next part is the most important part. I need to identify this patient and find out if they're on board. So I'm going to go ahead and find out their dental IQ. In Dottie's case, it was high. Her motivation was high, and her financial concerns were not, were not a big issue. She was ready to go. and She wanted to get this done before she was going to retire. Here's my strategic plan. We already know what this is. This is the end. Beautiful, healthy, functional smile. Let's fill it in. It becomes really simple when we break it into parts. So the next thing we're going to do is put in our initial stuff, our initial records, we know what that is, where we're going to go. And we're also going to put in the other stuff we know at the end, retention, night guard, recare. The next thing we do is just put in our phases. And in this case, the phases are going to be broken down into something easier. I'm going to start my Invisalign, and, my, and we're going to start Perio. And this, in purple, is where the overlap is going to occur. So I'm going to be able to do these things at the same time. The next step is going to be the middle phases, or end of treatment, bring it up to the end of treatment, where we're going to finish the reconstruction, do the lower restorative, equilibrate, hold for three. I ended up holding for six months with her, and I pretty much am set. I now go back and just look at that sheet, and I plug in the other stuff from the top. In this case, I just put in, well, possible endo will happen somewhere maybe around here. I may have to do an occlusal adjustment in here as needed. And I'm also going to do a little bit of enamoplasty and some bonding to get the case all set for us. 
I now have my strategic treatment plan. And I take that and I transfer it to paper. You have a copy in front of you. And this is what, sorry, this is what that looked like. It took, again, two minutes to do this. From this it goes to paper. And this is the hardest thing I do in dentistry, is to write this. Because each and every one is personalized to my patients. Each and every case is different. It's like fingerprints. And you'll see in there it's three pages long. That's an average treatment plan for me. It's broken down into phases so patients can follow it really easily and it makes it something that's easy for us to use as a roadmap to follow through. So you've got a copy of that in there so you can see how just we write that. Now I'm going to take those models that I had and I'm going to go ahead and there's, you can see the upper is the upper arch and there's the wax up. The lower is her lower mounted models even with the marks where I'm looking for my occlusion set up to be. And here's her ClinCheck, which all of a sudden becomes easy. It becomes easy because now we've got the pieces of the puzzle put together. We've got our roadmap that we're going to follow. Her ClinCheck, as we expected, was going to be you know, six to nine months in length. It was going to be easy to do. I did not do any of the treatment on top, so I'm not even concerned about the IPR up there. It's not going to matter to me. I already know what I'm going to do. I did change some things on the bottom. I moved the IPR over to help close that black triangle, and I think I did a little bit more intrusion on a couple teeth. Um, so that's how it looked for You can see I've got some overcorrection liners there at the end. I'll show you how we're going to use those. Dottie comes back now, um, and we're going to go ahead and we're jumping in full. And this is a full morning for us. Typically, we're going to do as much treatment as we can. So I'm going to provisionalize her entire upper arch. I'm going to take care of the decay. I'm going to place core buildups. I'm going to coronally section teeth 5 and 12, meaning I'm going to cut them down to the gum line. One of the things that I left off on, that you'll see on the IQC for her, or, no, it's on the, yeah, I think it was the, my uh, strategic treatment plan notes, is that she was on Boniva. And she was not, she was very unreceptive to implants. She just was not, she just had read enough about it and uh, we talked and I, I wasn't going to fight her on it because her bone was pretty ragged anyway. So we talked about possibly doing bridges in those spots. Uh, but I coronally sectioned them either way, which means I cut them down to the gum line and then hollowed them out so I could make an ovate pontic in my provisional to help form the proper tissue for it. We went ahead and started with the Invisalign. And beauty is, we don't have to spend time talking about Invisalign. We know it works. We know it's predictable. It's easy. This is an easy case. So we know we're just setting up the lower. Here's my first set of provisionals. Way too white. I made white temps for it because we are going to do some bleaching, but I was, I was, way, too, I was way off on that. But I got my initial setup kind of where I wanted to. You can see we've got the attachments on here. This is immediately after putting, the, putting them in. We haven't cleaned up the cement yet. Just we're going to check occlusion. That's the only picture I had. Uh, now, two weeks later, we're ready. We're into overlap. She goes off to my periodontist. He takes off the upper arch. He goes, my upper uh, provisional roundhouse. He goes ahead and gets started on his treatment. We can see there's a coronally sectioned uh, bicuspid. And we can see that it actually was a lot worse than we thought. She had you know, big dehiscence, fenestration there, um, ragged bone all around. He's going to clean it out, do the extractions, and then go ahead and graft it in and, you know, tack something over it there. So here's the second set of, of temps for me. He now has just performed also the clinical crown lengthening here to get the gingival heights better and asked that I keep those guys cut back. So I don't, I don't, I'm not up around that really tender new tissue that he just did. And he did a little graft there also. Four months later, after the perio's healed, I'm now going to go ahead and I'm going to go with my final set of temps. These are going to be the ones that I'm going to use as the guide for my permanent crowns. So I'm going to be very particular about the shade of these, the shape, the contour. I'm looking for how, that, how I want them to look all around. This is where we're at. Again, she, he asked me to keep them short right there on 7 to 10, just a little bit short so we can let that tissue heal a little bit better. Um, and you can do this. You can notice that we're able to stratify, uh, stratify the... Um, the um, bisacrylic temp material, and we, it's pretty easy to do that. You just use two or three different shades as you're making them, or you can have your lab fabricate them. But we're able to come up with some temps that are going to look pretty close to what we want for the, for the finals. And now we're at the finals. We're going to temporarily cement the finals, take off the attachments on the bottom. We're going to deliver one over correction aligner. I'll show you that in just a second. So. Here's how we finished up with Invisalign. And you know, it's not perfect science. This is where I normally would go to refinement. But I'm going to try and jump steps here a little bit and save some time. So I'm going to go to my overcorrection aligners and I'm going to use them as a C-chain. And the reason I'm doing that is the occlusion is a little heavy against my permanent new upper teeth that were my ideal setup. A C-chain 
looks like a bunch of little elastic rings, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, and orthodontists use them to close spaces. I asked for two or three of these virtual C chains at the end of treatment, not all the time, and generally, I throw them out. 95% of the time, I don't use them at all. The 5% of the time I do use them is not to close space between teeth. It's to provide beautiful, ideal occlusion. And I'm going to do that by the C-chain, by pulling those bottom teeth back a teeny bit away from the top teeth so they're not hitting as hard. So I do just a little bit to help pull those teeth out of the way. I used one C-chain in this case. If it's a C-chain, it's the front six teeth. A power chain pulls the whole arch in, pulls the backs kind of the, the back teeth forward and the front teeth in all at the same time, as if you had a, a rubber band on there. Now that we've got the, those teeth pulled back a little bit, I want to fix the little in, uh, inconsistencies, and we're going to use the Slava Essex technique for this. This is where, in, instead of sending off a refinement, I'm going to do this right in my office. I, I don't want to spend some extra time doing refinement. I can get this knocked out in three weeks at the most. Uh, so, and everything else looked good for me. So all we do is we take an alginate impression, pour it up in stone. Where you see red on this is where we're going to shave down tooth structure. Where you see black is where we're going to add a little flowable composite to give the teeth room to move into. So we go ahead and shave them down add to the other spots, do a suck down impression, trim it back like an aligner, pop it in the mouth, and you can see that it's created extra pressure here to push this tooth around, but there's space actually here where these teeth are going to move into. So it's, it's basically an aligner. But it's a quick, easy way if I don't want to go through a big refinement for me to just tuck these last few teeth in to get them in an ideal position. And I actually, even if you look back, there was red on the top because we did a little bit of intrusion on tooth number 23 to get those heists lined up a little bit better. So while I'm finishing up that, I now I'm going to go ahead and take care of the last part of my overlap. I'm going to take care of just doing some bonding up in the front. We're going to use air abrasion to open up those little browned incisal edges there, put a little bit of composite in, do a little bit of enamoplasty at the same time to get those edges nice and even. Check occlusion. I'm going to be doing it panky style here. I, mean, I use four different ribbons and check, check the bite and I adjust it. In some cases, and you'll see, I'm going to actually do some adjusting on the top because I ended up being, was able to be much more conservative on the bottom. I was able to, um, in, the, in the case on the bottom, I thought I was going to be doing four crowns, two on each side and the back. I ended up only doing crowns on 30 and 31. We just did some simple restorative on the other side. And while I'm on the whole panky bandwagon, um, I'm a kind of a tried and true panky guy, but I want you to know my wife and best friend of 25 years, who's a dentist also, is an LVI dentist. And if both of us can be married and go on vacation and love each other, I think we all can get together on this whole occlusion thing. Okay, just sharing it. Just, just, just saying. Just saying. Okay. Um, so I, I think you find that all the occlusal philosophies have more in common than they do different. And if we've at least got a philosophy, we've got a place we can start talking from. So here we are, we're adjusting our bite. Anytime we adjust bites, we polish with porcelain polish kit. When we're done, I love the Brassler Dialyte kit. This is um, Ceraglaze from Axis Dental, another good one. We polish teeth and porcelain up to a nice shine. And you end up with a nice result. So here's Dottie when she's all done. This is initially after finishing. We've got everything in place up top. She's got a couple bridges up there. She's healed up nice. She's got good, solid occlusion, beautiful canine guidance, beautiful anterior guidance with posterior disclusion. The goal here, and actually, I, again, love to kind of always look at my cases afterwards and grade myself. And the one thing that, that I had kind of forgotten about is that I wish I would have just prepped that margin down. Just That's sealed real well. It's just I wish that I'd brought that down. It's a little bit of exposed root there. You'll see that in some of the other pictures when we're done. So here we are with some nice lifelike porcelain. It matches those provisionals that we had, so she's really happy with how the case turned out. The Invisalign was easy. The Invisalign is bread and butter for us. We use that as part of us being great dentists. And when we look at that, the rest of this is real easy to get to that beautiful functional smile. If I look at the overall treatment time, um, we're running in at about 26, 28 months. And if I kind of figure it out, I had about eight months of restorative, 10 months of Invisalign, six to eight months of perio. But if I overlap this, which I was able to do for her, I could bring this entire case down to a little over, you know, it was a year and 
four months, I think, a year and two months. It was a saving of, savings of a year and two months. So it went from 26, which it could have been, down to 14 months. And the bottom line is what we were able to see when we're done. The perio before and the perio after. Here's two years out, charting on the perio. Here's Dottie's initial FMX. Here's just uh, some bite wings, two years post-op. Last week when I was out of the office, uh, my team had her come in just so we could update some films. We took some three-year post-op films, and that's how she looked. Nice, solid crowns that look good down there. Where we thought we might have to do crowns, we did some really conservative restorations. And as far as stability is concerned, here's where Dottie started. First time when she came in, we were able to take pictures of her teeth, actually. Here's where we were after provisionalizing. Here's where we were when we finished. Here's where we were two years out. She looks like she gets younger. And this is, this is last week when she was in. Um, and they're on retouched photographs, but you, you, you can even see, because we got definitely too much glare here on these. Um, so I didn't have a chance to really kind of get the fine ones that I could have the color match a little bit better. Too much flash on that. You know, the bottom line is they was able to take someone from start to finish in less than a year and a half and give them a smile that I think was nice and stable. And I used Invisalign as one of the key components to being able to get the case done properly. And Dottie was really happy. You know, she started with a face like that and was able to finish with one with, a, I think, a much more happy smile for her. So systems are the key. That's what I'd like you to take away from here is I want you to think how you can make your practice better. I want you to work with your team to develop standard operating procedures, I'd like you to use simple forms to make your cases a lot easier. I'd like you to do a post-operative evaluation of your case, every comprehensive case, to see how you can make it better. Because if you make it better, you have the chance to do your best and to be the best. And that's what we're really all about today. Because we started out with us having to juggle. And I don't want you to be remembered as a dentist that was juggling knives blindfolded on a unicycle. Let's leave that one in Vegas. Right? I also don't want you to be remembered as the dentist who spent their entire life in their office. I want you to seek and find balance. I want you to be able to do beautiful dentistry and be remembered for that and spend all the rest of the time where you really need to. Thank you for your attention today.